You're listening to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness with host Sean Tice, where we talk about leading fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Hey, my name is Sean Tice. Welcome back to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness. I'm excited to have my guest today, Julie Baumgartner. It's great to have you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Julie is the Senior Director for Windshape Marriage, and she's got a lot of experience, and I'm excited to unpack that. Would you just take a few minutes and tell us about yourself, about the work that you do right now? I am, as you said, the Senior Director of Windshape Marriage, and Windshape Foundation was started by Mr. Kathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, back in 1984. Windshape Marriage has been in place since 2003 where we host retreats and intensives year-round. And really, our goal is to provide resources and experiences that help people grow closer to each other in the marriage relationship and closer to God. Yeah, and it's really preventative from what we're about to talk about with the yes, fatherlessness. For sure. yeah. yeah, which is what and, attracted me to the work in the first place. So, yes. <laughs> And and I love I love Windshape. It's so beautiful there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just one of those experiences that you can't really yeah. explain until you've been there. Yeah. And yeah, I'm thankful that you get to work there. And so when we first met. Me you were involved in another organization. Would you tell us about mm-hmm. that one? The thing that you did before? Yes, and and it is preventative as well. It's called First Things First. It's based out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. And in 1997, a group of businessmen launched this organization basically as an experiment and they had three goals to decrease divorce and unwed pregnancies and to increase father involvement in the lives of their children all three goals are things i felt very passionate about and do feel passionate about Uh, my parents divorced when i was preparing to leave for my freshman year of college and that was very impactful to me When my father came in and shared with us that he was leaving, what I didn't understand in the moment, I I wasn't happy about him saying that he was leaving my mom. But what I did not understand or comprehend was that when he said he was leaving, he meant that he was leaving and really leaving us all behind and starting a new life. And that's essentially what he did. And I was very much a daddy's girl. So it was very devastating to me. So that was uh, in the 70s when this organization, when they were talking about launching it in 1997, I said, I I am a counselor by training. I've seen people come in who have perfectly good marriages, but so much water has gone under the bridge. It would take a lot of work to get it out of the ditch. And they just didn't want to work that hard. And, And I felt like, as a child of divorce and haven't experienced what it's like to lose your dad. Um, I was just all about something that would actually teach people skills, give them information uh, that would catch them upstream, so to speak, before they fell into the water and help them to know how to navigate marriage and to do it well. And then why dads really matter, because I think we live in a culture that says, Dads are second string. They're often referred to as babysitting when they're taking care of the kids versus their parenting. And I think a lot of times they're led to believe that they're replaceable when they're not. And uh, so I said, you know, I thought I could get behind this. So I just told them, if you ever needed somebody, I'd love to come work for you. And I started out uh, working part time 
and then became full-time and eventually the president and CEO for 19 of the 23 years that I was with them. Wow, that's the, so so great. And, and you said it was a bunch of businessmen and you yeah. came in and you just took it over as a woman, right? Well, <laughs> it was businessmen. And, and to be honest, they were thinking about just what's the impact on the culture? What's the impact on the ready-to-work workforce? What's the impact on our community? And yeah. they were all and are believers. And the question was being asked, if if we sit by, are we willing to accept the consequences of sitting by as, as active members of this community? Are we willing to accept the consequences? Because what the research shows is that children are less likely to show up to school ready to learn, less likely to graduate high school. Uh, so our, we would be impacted in many ways. And there was an initial executive director. I, I came in part-time and then um, after she made the decision to go uh, to another role, I stepped in and it, it was was amazing and they're doing great things today. That's, that's so great. Now, can you just tell a little more about what what, what it started out as and what, what they ended up doing? I mean, I know a little bit about it, but I just want to share with the yeah. audience. So with the three goals, uh, we were really dedicated to strengthening marriages and families to helping people in all aspects of life have healthy relationships because we can teach you in the workplace about healthy relationships and all of that segues into your home life as well. So wherever we could engage with you in conversation, um, it, it was helpful across the board. They are still doing premarital marriage enrichment. They're working with fathers to help them engage with their children. And just across the board, encouraging people, helping them to know ways that they can have healthy relationships and flourish, which is what, this is what people tell us they want but they're not exactly sure how to get there. Especially like for me, that was definitely traumatic to lose my dad. And so to figure out how to get past that and not second guess myself, oh my goodness, they were married 24 and a half years. What makes me think I could be successful in a marriage relationship if they couldn't be successful? Uh, so I think a lot of people question, is my judgment good? Do I know how to select a good mate? Am I a good mate? Could I actually do this? And I, I think what First Things First is doing is helping people to know, hey, you, you can learn. There are tools and skills that you can learn. Yeah. Great organization. I, I, and I yeah. especially love Reggie. Uh, yes. Know him. He's a great yes. guy there. And so, yeah, and you left there and you came, went to Winshape and you've been there for how, how many years now? You said? Uh, three years. Exactly. Three years. Three years. Yeah. And you're you're involved. So your role there is you're basically just directing and making sure that the retreats go well. Is that is that pretty much you're over am, everything, right? For but, yeah. well, I'm I'm over all things marriage, but uh, creating curriculum, paying attention to what people are telling us they're dealing with. I teach some of the retreats just because I I love to teach. That fills my tank and makes my heart happy. So I love keeping my finger on the pulse of what are people experiencing? What are they feeling? Where's their pain point? And how can we come alongside them and pour into them in order to help them get to where they want to be, which is healthy in marriage, flourishing in their family and uh, doing life well. Now, what I love about you, Jolie, is your drive. Um, I've, since I've known you, we've known each other 
probably five or seven years now. Yes. And you have a drive. You can just tell yes. when you sit down with you at supper, when you sit down with you talking, you have a drive, you're ready to go. And I, that's what I, I, I just, cause I have a drive too. And so I, I'm, I'm, I love being around people like that. It helps, <laughs> helps me with my drive. It makes me want to drive yes. more too, but talk to people that, because the problem is a lot of people that they go through a traumatic event, such as yourself, mm-hmm. you know, they, they end up, coping with the world's methods of, you know, drug and alcohol addiction, different things. And can you talk to people that are going through that and say, this is how I kind of overcame that. Um, Now, maybe, maybe some of your drive has been because of that. I don't know, but would you just speak to the young professionals and say, Hey, that's how you overcome these traumatic events. Yeah. I vividly remember to this day, sitting down with my psychology professor, my freshman year, in preparation for going home for Christmas. And I said, I do not want to go home. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to have to deal with all of this. And he kind of walked me through that. And he said, you know, you have, you have said to me that you wanted to work with families. I, I have a brother. He passed away in 2015, but he was 95% hearing impaired and functioned at about a first grade level his whole entire life. And I have a sister who's five years younger than me. And uh, there were just, there were a lot of dynamics and I kind of was the rock for the family. And I wasn't feeling like the rock at that moment. I, I was very frustrated, but my professor said, you know, you have said all along that you wanted to major in psychology because you wanted to be able to help families who have children with special needs. And it seems like God might be steering you maybe in an additional direction, which would be to help families who are who are going through divorce, especially children of divorce. Like, how do you deal with that trauma and be healthy? And so he said, yep, Christmas is going to be different. And it might, you know, it might just really be disappointing, actually. However, this is preparation for what you're going to do in the future. So I think that that put me on a trajectory of thinking a bit differently about Maybe this isn't all about me. There are things that I have to learn. And um, I I think when you're experiencing it, um, it's very painful. And acknowledging the pain, I think, was part of it. I also think, for me, God was very generous in allowing me to be part of First Things First. Both my husband and I are children of divorce. So we were even having a conversation just a couple of days ago about what a miracle it is that we're in our 35th year of marriage and we like each other. We enjoy being around each other. We are our friends and lovers and um, have had a good time. It's been quite the adventure. I think part of that is being exposed. So Judith Wallerstein's work, um, the legacy of divorce and looking at people across the age band and how they dealt with their parents' divorce was enlightening to me and informative. Okay. It helped me to process what was, the name what of that was happening. Judith Wallerstein's book, The Unexpected Legacy of Divorce. Okay. I've, I've never, I've been doing this for a long time. Never heard of that book. So yeah, check it it's, out. It's a, it's a great book. And what I have found over time, so I started really hunkering down and paying attention to fatherlessness and the impact of divorce in 1997. And what I have seen over time is that it's new research, but very similar outcomes. Mm. That if we can 
help people to learn skills, if we can help them to create some new pathways about who I am as a child of God and what he has equipped me with, what he's called me to do, and understanding that we are all here with purpose. And even to the point of, man, I I have not appreciated the walk of the divorce experience. I have definitely learned from it, and it has informed and helped me to walk the road with many other people who are experiencing it. So I'm not sure I would say, yes, I would want to go through that again. However, it has definitely been a part of my journey that has helped me become who I am, and it has for sure impacted the way I engage with people. And that, that's so great. You took the the struggles you had and you tried to help other people with it. Uh, I think that's, and that's inspiring to all of us because we can either let it ruin us and let it destroy the, our future. Yeah. You know, like I've seen so yeah. many others, or you can yeah. take it and turn it into a positive, you know. Right. Path. It doesn't have to define you in a negative way. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So now tell us more about your story. You know, you said about your dad. Was it just it all of a sudden happened or was there time, was it building up to your dad leaving or? I had no earthly idea my parents were struggling, which is just crazy. Like when I think about it today, I had no idea. Uh, if you had asked, I actually had this conversation with my best friend, maybe seven years ago, my best friend growing up. She said to me, I was so shocked. When I found out your parents were divorcing because everybody thought y'all were the perfect family. She said, I didn't know what to say to you. I didn't even know. I didn't know how to help you because I couldn't get past how could this be happening to y'all? So I said to her, well, no one was more shocked than me. So yeah. um, I had no idea. So that, you know, I've often thought back about how could I not no, but there was, there were no indications. They must have, you know, behind closed doors, things must have been really bad. Um, I think the other thing is when he did leave, initially, I didn't get that he didn't want to be in a relationship with us anymore, but it became so difficult to engage with him, very complicated and, and just like not healthy. And when I realized, when I started paying attention to how I felt after I saw him, I realized this is not good for me. It This is toxic. And it's kind of like reopening a wound every single time. And I keep, I keep trying to do what I think will be helpful for the relationship. And, um, and he, it just, there was no response. So I just decided, you know what, I, I need to put some distance here. So that was what was healthy for me. And I will never forget, I had been on a trip and I felt like the Lord was saying to me, you really need to call and go see your dad. And I had, an, I was having an argument with him, like, why would I do that? I really felt strongly like I was supposed to go see my dad. So I called uh, his wife and said, I think that I'm supposed to go see dad. And she said, well, he's not doing very well. Why don't you um, come another day? And 
the feeling would not leave me. So I said, no, I really think I'm supposed to come. Well, when I got there the next day on hospice and like a death's door. So that was mind blowing. But the other thing that happened while I was there, all of these young ladies, much younger than me, were coming into his room and just kind of petting him and saying things like, oh my goodness, your father, he was like a second dad to me. Um, I just love him so much. And I, I am sitting there asking myself, what is going on? So the wife of their best couple friend was there. And I said, you know, I have a question for you. You can be honest with me and just tell me the truth. But by every indication, I am really picking up on my father just did not want a relationship with me. And she said, I wish I could tell you otherwise, but your dad never talked about you and never just, you never came up in conversation, which is super hard. I mean, when you, when you ask me, how do you deal with something like that? That just sucks all the way around. There's nothing good that can come from that other than watching the Lord. You know, I would say, but God, he, I could hear that and didn't literally fall apart. I took it in and then I realized just thinking through time, how God had orchestrated men in my life, healthy men who walked alongside me, who encouraged me, who really stood in the gap. And even providing my husband, who is healthy and strong and willing to walk the road with me, ask me good questions, be a truth teller, challenge me to continue growing, and all of that. Uh, any of that could have sidelined me, and yet the Lord provided and gave me eyes to see, hey, this piece here is not great. However, there are all these godly men that have walked this road with you, and that's been huge, a, a very big blessing. It's all about perspective, right? I mean, you know, just <laughs> looking at it and yeah. saying, and there's this, there's this hole in our heart where we have that, oh, we yeah. want that earthly dad relationship. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. even you, you've been to the fatherhood commission where you hear about these dads and they give this blessing and, and, yes. and there's these great oh, yeah. stories where the dad came back eventually and, yeah. and they, they had this relationship later in life. And, and some of us, like you and I, we don't ever get that we don't, with that, yeah. with our earthly dad, but I believe God can fill that hole and also use humans to fill that hole. Um, yeah. don't, don't you agree? I mean, like, that's what you're saying. Yeah. And, and so if you're listening yeah. to this, you can be assured that, that God will fill that gap in your life where you, mm -hmm. you might feel like I can't get through this, but you can. Jolie's saying it. I'm saying it. You can overcome it, but it's through God and it's through the people that God brings into your life and, and fill yeah. yourself and, and fill your life with good people. With, you know, look for godly influences in your church and, you know, people around you that are Christians. Look for people like that that can help uh, fill your life. Can you, can you speak to that with maybe adults that are, they don't have anybody right now. They need some good influences. Anywhere you found people that helped you, like at your church or things like that? Yeah. Yes. And, and just to speak to the hole in your heart, I 
think it's easy to begin asking yourself, what's wrong with me? Mm. Why would a father not want to be in relationship with their child? I think that's really hard. And you have to realize at that point, it's not about you. It's not about you. Yeah. And pick up from there and then begin to look for healthy people in your world. I've had healthy people in my workplace, at church, in my neighborhood, small groups. I've had people introduce me to people and just say, I, I think you should know this person. Uh, all of those areas in your life, keeping your eyes wide open for folks who seem to be flourishing. And one of the things that I've experienced, people will come to me and say, oh my goodness, I'd love, I'd love to have the opportunity to spend time with you. I haven't called you because I just know how busy you are. And I remind them, I'm an adult and I keep my calendar. And so I do have the option to say yes. And I have the option to say no. Don't assume that I'm going to say no. At least give me a chance to respond to that. And I would say that to people who are looking for folks to be in their world and to do life with them. Don't assume that they don't want to do it or that they don't have time to do it. If you do not ask, the answer is no for sure. And if you ask, it's possible that they might say, this is a this is a very busy season for me. However, if you give me a couple of months, I would love to pick up on that in March. So ask the question and see what kind of response you get. And even if you have somebody that does not have time for you, look for others, you know, right? I mean, I've had people well, where I could tell after I tried yeah. to pursue, you know, a mentoring yeah. thing with them, they yeah. weren't interested, but then there's that other person yeah. that yeah. they might be, right? Yeah. Yes. And a lot of times I'll say to that person, okay, uh, I appreciate that you don't have time. Is there anybody else that you think I should talk to? Yeah. Or what's what's the best read that you've uh, read lately and that you would say, hey, I would encourage you to read this uh, just to keep enriching myself. I am always curious. I definitely would say I'm a lifelong learner and I'm interested in what people are paying attention to. And even just five things that you're doing right now that you think are helping you to be healthy. So I'm just constantly looking to learn. Well, how, now, how old were you again when your dad left? 17. 17. So you were, I mean, you were later, how, what grade were you in? 11th? Uh, 12th. Yeah. 12th grade. Okay. Yeah. So you're in 12th yeah. grade. Um, you're, you're yes. kind of, and now sometimes people would think, well, she was already in 12th grade, so it didn't really affect as much, but there is oh, a gr no. large group of people where their parents divorce or their, you know, parent dad passed away, maybe in their upper teens and twenties, mm -hmm. and it kind of wrecks mm -hmm. their lives. I mean, uh -oh. what would you say about that? Yes, I a hundred percent agree. In fact, I've seen research. It it's much harder. I had a very established relationship with my father. I was a daddy's girl. We did tons of things together. And so to get to this place where you are completely cut off, mm. that's devastating. And I've talked to so many people whose parents divorce later in life, and it does wreck them. They yeah. thought their parents were doing great. And uh, it's very disruptive all the way around. Even 
you're married, you have a family of your own and your parents divorce. Very disruptive. Uh, so I, I would say at any age, and that's, that is what Judith Wallerstein found in her book, The Unexpected Legacy of Divorce. She interviewed 50-year-old men and seven-year-old children, everything in between, and it wrecks everybody. And it's not, so some people said, I was glad to not have the arguments, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't impactful, that my parents couldn't figure out as two adults how to do life well together. Now, what do you wish people would have said to you? Because like I, you're talking about your family, how, you know, your friend said that you know, I, I was, I was shocked, you know, and you were, you were shocked and it is hard whenever there's a family that looks like they're just doing great. And all of a sudden they fall apart. Like I'm thinking about a family right now that was, when I was in youth group, they were one of the staple families in our church and they looked great. Now they're, you know, they're divorced, uh, their family's torn apart and they're really doing, not doing, not doing well. I mean, the husband seems like he's doing okay. But if you don't know what to say to them, I mean, what would, yeah. what, would what, what are some things yeah. you wish people would have said to you? I think just even asking, how are you doing? Hmm. What are you thinking about? What do you need? Because I'm an out loud processor. And so unless you ask me those questions and get me to start talking, I don't know necessarily what I need. And I was, I was embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. I think I was probably one of a very few in my grade. And when I'm talking to my grade, I'm talking like 500 students. So wow. I I had known these people my whole life, essentially. And I was one of the very few whose parents divorced. Uh, so it's embarrassing. And I, I think I would have just... I would have appreciated people saying, I'm praying for you. I am here for you. If you want to talk, I'll listen. And it's not that I didn't feel cared for. There were people who were very caring, just not in a conversational kind of way, but they were present in my life for sure. Now, what would you say to, now shifting over to your marriage, you know, you said that your husband and you came from mm -hmm. divorce, mm -hmm. uh, families, your parents divorced and that that often that's a struggle. Like my wife, she came from a good good family. She was a pastor's kid. She came from a great background, and we've had struggles because I grew up, you know, and I I I have this fear of abandonment because my dad abandoned me, and then my <laughs> my too. grandfather passed away whenever I was in sixth grade, and he was my dad, and so then mm. he left. You know, it wasn't his fault, but he he died, and so I had this fear of abandonment. So I it's something we we've had to work through. What are some things that you've you've done, you you and your husband, that you've had to work through and some things that have helped you? Just speaking to people out there that grew up with, with divorce themselves and they're getting married now or maybe they're working through stuff themselves. Yes. So abandonment is a thing for me, for mm -hmm. sure. I think learning skills and understanding that we have choices and we can decide to do things differently. Are we perfect? Definitely not. Are we healthy? I'd say for the most part, we are healthy in the way that we communicate, in the way that we manage conflict, in the way that we have conversations around hard things. But we didn't, we didn't come to marriage having all of our acts together, so to speak. Yeah. We had to learn 
and grow together and be intentional about it. And truth be told, that's the case for every couple. Even if you do come from healthy families, you've got to be intentional about figuring out how you're going to dance well together. And that's a lifelong journey, being curious about each other, recognizing that your differences, you're not trying to make the person you're married to more like you. You're trying to figure out how do we leverage each other's differences to make a greater whole and a lot of prayer, understanding, okay, the Lord brought us together with purpose. We as individuals have purpose. And then as a couple, where's God calling us to join him in his work, in the ministry? And that's a huge growth opportunity for everybody because it's about, it is about learning who you are and recognizing, okay, there's selfishness in here and there's pride. There's all these things that are impactful to our relationship. Do I want to be right all the time or do I want to be in relationship? I, I don't want to have the last word if it's going to mean the relationship loses. So we've done a lot of learning together and growing together and understanding um, we all, we all are sinners saved by grace. And if I'm going to focus on Jay's shortcomings and he's going to focus on mine, we're going to be on the struggle bus for a long time. But if we will make a decision to look at, hey, what's God calling us to? And what are the strengths and gifted giftings that he's given each of us? Now we take those and work together to be about kingdom building. That's huge. So I think we all can learn uh, throughout the duration of our marriage relationship. If we remain curious and we understand this is a journey, it is a journey. And you will you will be learning lots of things throughout the journey. That's so good. We have about six minutes left. And I just want to ask you, kind of as we wrap up, what about being a parent? Um, like when you come from you know, this, this issue and there's, I like, for me, I have a fear of failure. I don't want to fail my kids. I don't want them to mess up. Um, and and a lot of times I feel like I'm failing as a dad, but, and I think we all have that fear as parents. What are some things you implemented as a parent to make sure that your kids would succeed and, and that you wouldn't Mm. end up abandoning them? I'm sure that was a fear. Oh yeah. (laughs) One, focusing on your marriage, Mm -hmm. because when your marriage is healthy and flourishing, your children are a lot more likely to be healthy and flourishing. So I would say that's first. Second, um, I can remember when Ashley got to high school and she was getting ready to graduate from high school, we sat her down and we we said, Ashley, this is amazing. You are getting ready to graduate from high school and your parents are still married. And we're thinking, this is a big, big celebration worthy of paying attention to. And she's like, awesome, great. Same thing happened when she graduated from college. And we're like, we're still together. This is a miracle. She's just like, good for y'all. This is so good. But, you know, she doesn't appreciate it in the way that we appreciate it. As parents, though, we can look back and say, were we perfect? Absolutely not. Did we make mistakes in our parenting? Most definitely. Our efforts, though, and our intentions were to help her grow up in a home where she could thrive where she could make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. 
and leave our, you know, leave the nest and be productive in what she was doing. So um, for us, it was really about creating an environment at home that felt safe and stable and warm and that she understood, hey, we love you. There's nothing you can do that's going to make us love you more. There's nothing you can do that will make us love you less. Sometimes you're going to make bad choices and you're going to deal with the consequences of those. And we're going to stand beside you as you deal with those consequences. We're not going to take responsibility for your behavior. We're going to hold you accountable and help you learn and grow. And, and in that process, uh, we're going to do the very best job we know how to do because God has entrusted you to us. And I think that that's the other thing. It's really important to remember that ultimately our daughter belongs to the Lord and she has been entrusted to our care. We are responsible for helping her to grow and learn and launch, Um, not, not to keep her down and make no mistakes, but to learn. That's so good. And, and you're just trying to succeed. I, I love your drive, Julie, like I said, and I, I love how you have a drive in everything you do too. It's not just in your, in your work. It's also in your family, your marriage. And I appreciate that. Uh, we're going to wrap up now, but thank you so much for being on with us today. Uh, my uh, pleasure. You, before we go, would you just tell our listeners or our followers where you can, uh, where they can find you with sure. your website or whatever it might be? Yes. Yes, there's a couple of really good places. One is winshapemarriage.org. We have a lot of resources for people that they can uh, read, look at. And we also, that's where you can find all of the retreats that we offer. And then Winshape Marriage on Instagram, we provide a lot of tools there. So just short, quick snippets that people can take in, very digestible. Uh, they can take and use in their marriage immediately. Uh, or in their parenting. So lot, lots of great resources for people to access. We would love for them to come check it out. Okay, sounds great. Well, thanks so much, Julie. Have, have a great day. Thank you, you too. Hey, thanks for checking out this episode of Let's Talk About Fodlessness. We wanna now challenge you to take the next step by e- either starting a single mom community group in your church or with your ministry, or by joining our network of God is My Dad churches and ministries. Isn't it a great experience to be able to start a single mom community group? Yeah, and it's just, if you talk to single moms, a lot of times what they'll tell you is the one thing they're lacking is that community, just a group that they can go in and they know there's no judgment. You know, everyone may not have the same situation. Everyone doesn't know what they're going through, but they can go in and they know there's no judgment. And and it takes that kind of that restriction and that uh, wall down for them so that they can share and then that they can grow in Christ. And our single mom community groups are a wonderful ministry. If your church can start one, we'd love to have you. We can help you get set up. We have the curriculum and all the resources you need. If you can't start one, we'd love to have you start by by joining our network of churches and ministries, our God is My Dad network of churches and ministries, where you can get your church or your ministry on our map and people can find you and find find your ministry in your church so that they can get plugged into your church or ministry locally. So check that out. You can find all these resources at lifefactors.org. We have books, we have all kinds of content on there at lifefactors.org. Check it out today. <music>